welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 208 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. I'm your host, Siobhan Key, and I have a really exciting episode for you. I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Tyra Feinstad and Dr. Adrian Mann and talk about some of the research they've been doing into physician burnout. So they've recently had an article published in JAMA back in May 2022 about the impact of their coaching program on residents and burnout scores. And I think the more that we start to transition where coaching becomes an evidence-based intervention, the better, right? Like when I started coaching, there was no evidence for it, but it felt right. It felt good. And so then I did it. And then because I saw the impact it had on my life, I offered it to others. So it was much more on a lived experience basis than an evidence base. But that's changing. We are starting to get studies where they're using randomized controlled trials to compare coaching interventions with uh, standard, which is no coaching. Uh, And it's really fascinating to start to see this evidence develop that supports what a lot of us in the physician coaching industry have known is that coaching is a really powerful tool for physicians and it really enhances what we learned in medical school, but it's a piece that we didn't learn it otherwise. And so I think of it as it kind of fills in some of the gaps that med school left us with, which really the biggest ones would be how do we care for ourselves in amongst all of the hard stuff that we do as physicians and amongst the challenging schedules that we keep, the being up all night on call, all of that. How do we still care for ourselves as humans amongst that? So today I want to offer you this interview and I hope that you really enjoy it. And we're talking about burnout and specifically like where is the research on burnout and how does coaching fit into that? And so I hope that you really enjoy this interview. Let's get going. All right. Welcome to the show, Adrian and Tyra. I'm so excited to have you here because as you guys know, we have been back and forth via email and Facebook Messenger since May <laughs> on actually finding a date to talk about this. And so I'm super excited that we're finally here. Let's start with you guys introducing yourself and telling people who you are and a little bit about you. Adrian, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Adrian Mann. I'm an internist. I'm a hospitalist at the VA Medical Center here in Denver. I'm an associate program director for the internal medicine residency program here. And I'm also a certified life coach through the life coach school. I came to coaching 
after having my second kid, my second year out from training, and really having chased many different identities at work very fast and in very conflicting directions. And when I came back from having my second kid, I really had no sense of like identity or really who I was or how to come back to work and hold all of the roles I had previously held. And my coping mechanism for that kind of discomfort was in eating and overeating. And so I came to coaching through wanting to lose weight and doing a weight loss program for women physicians. So speaking to you all, I know what you're going through. And this is exactly how I came to coaching too. So after kind of going through that program, I thought, gosh, these are tools I needed and skills I needed when I was in training. And so I will let Tyra tell this part of the story, but we joined forces to build a coaching program for residents. Awesome. I'm Tyra Feinstad. I am also an internist here. I'm in primary care at the University of Colorado and also in resident education and also a life coach. And my story is pretty similar to Adrian's. I sort of hit my rock bottom pretty quickly after training a couple of years out. I had a couple of kids and really was struggling to figure out who I wanted to be as a mom and also as a doctor. I had set myself on a path towards finding my validation from positive feedback and approval and climbing the academic hierarchy, I think as a lot of medical trainees do. And I, at this point, was in Seattle, Washington. That's where I was working as faculty there and was just really bought into the arrival fallacy of like, things will get better once I get a couple of publications or once I'm promoted or once I get a teaching award or whatever it might be. And that was working okay for me until I had kids and applied the same mentality towards my kids who were both fairly fussy, colicky, non-sleeping infants. And it turns out that the harder you try to use your doctor mentality for your kids, the worse things get. So I got incredibly exhausted, incredibly burnt out, I tried all kinds of different things, SSRIs and psychiatrists and scaling up at work and scaling down at work and nothing was working. I was sort of questioning everything. And then I came to coaching pretty begrudgingly. I had a friend going through coach certification and she offered me a free call for some feedback on her coaching. And at that point, I was at the University of Washington and I was a really academic allopathic doctor who saw coaching as like pretty out there. And I sort of rolled my eyes and was like, okay, Jennifer, I will let you coach me because we're friends. <laughs> but you know, what even is a life coach? This doesn't sound like a real thing. And I remember still that first conversation, literally my whole life changed. I remember the things that she said to me. I remember the two points that she taught me and it totally blew my mind when I learned that I didn't have to believe my own brain if I didn't want to. I thought that was like the law that you just had to believe your thoughts. And when I learned how to name and process an emotion, and I was just like Adrian, I was I was actually like mad that nobody taught me this in medical training because and now I'm more mad because it seems preposterous to like pitch someone out there into the world to navigate through massive amounts of grief and stress and overwhelm and all the things that doctors are confronted with without any tools or knowledge about our emotions. So I also I applied for a grant to start a program for coaching for medical trainees and moved back home here to Colorado 
and was introduced to Adrian, who had also applied and got the same type of grant. And so we decided to do it together and Better Together Physician Coaching was born. That's That's the story. (laughs) You know, I think like it's so profound when we listen to all the different stories, because I could tell you my story and it would sound really similar. But, you know, it's that double barrel of like physician, which we figured out and we kind of are holding it together, though, like my time before kids in practice, definitely there was burnout and it was kind of like this roller coaster of like burnt out, pull everything back, get better. And then like, yes, I can do that extra shift. Sure, I can cover that extra call, (laughs) all that stuff and then get burnt out again. And then when you add in the kids, you add in that extra piece, that extra identity and your available time gets squashed into like additional boundaries of like daycare or kids activities or everything. It is such a significant load. And I think so many women physicians struggle with that and probably men too. I just have more experience talking to the women about it. So do we, Um, we targeted women for our initial pilot. It's so interesting to hear you reflect that back at us. And I'm just remembering that like back then before I found coaching, like I didn't know that I could define what success looked like in any of the jobs I had. Like, and in fact, the definitions I held for what it meant to be a good enough doctor and a good enough mom were like directly in conflict. And I didn't know that I could define those things for myself. And so it's no wonder we're totally burnt out and feeling like the candle's burning at both ends, right? If we're not empowered to define those things for ourselves, if we don't have the language. Totally. And I'm sure you, you guys encounter this, I'm sure with the physicians that you coach, but it's not like, let's be a really good physician. And then, you know, when we're home, we're home. Most women physicians I coach, it's let's be a really good physician. And we also need to be like a really amazing mom doing all the things. And if we're not able to do all the things because we're at work, then we're somehow failing. And it's just this completely unrealistic of like the stay-at-home mom version of what maybe our moms did or grandmas did combined with the like high-level career version that we wanted for ourselves and expecting us to do both at the same time, which is just so unrealistic. I think we were using the example of parenting and how we create roles that aren't really able to overlap very much. But of course, this is applicable to how we want to show up in our relationships as a partner, as a daughter, or like in any of the other relationships we hold. I think it's interesting to look at all the different ways we think we can't be both at the same time. So I'm just acknowledging that that stress exists not only for parents. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys both ended up in Denver with research grants to study and to start programs for learners, for residents specifically, right? So where did you go from there? Yeah, it was the summer of 2020 and we were right in the middle of the pandemic and we had both just gotten certified as coaches. And so we took some time and decided to build a coaching program. And initially we thought, you know, maybe we'll coach like 10 or 20 internal medicine residents because that's we're both internists. So that seemed obvious. And we'll pitch it and we'll see what we can do and we'll measure some pre-post tests and maybe the program will let us keep doing it. And so we wrote an IRB for that and we recruited in the fall of 2020, we sent out an email and within the first day of recruitment, we got like 50 responses. And among those responses were, oh my gosh, we're thank you so much for paying attention to our wellness 
my best friend's an emergency medicine resident. Could you please include them? My sister's a pediatrician. Could you please include them? And we kept getting these, this outpouring of responses. And so we eventually decided to open it up across all specialties in residency at the University of Colorado. And we sort of arbitrarily capped ourselves at 100, mostly because we didn't know yet how much we could coach in our program and we didn't want to under-deliver. So we did that. That's important because actually we did a little power analysis and we were not technically powered to find a difference in our primary outcome, which we decided was going to be burnout. And so we sort of decided to just try anyways as like a proof of concept study and just to test the feasibility of our program, not expecting too much result-wise. So then we built our survey. We decided what we wanted to measure. We used the Maslow burnout inventory, used the NEF's self-compassion scale to measure self-compassion, an imposter syndrome scale, and then a moral injury scale. Those were our three secondary outcomes. And so after recruiting, we sent everyone, all 100 of them, actually we ended up with 101, someone snuck in. We sent everybody the baseline survey with those validated survey questions. And then after everyone had answered, we randomized them into a control group and an intervention group. The intervention group got coaching from January 2021 to July 2021. And the control group did not receive coaching. And then we resurveyed everybody in July. And then that was when our study ended. And then we offered the control group the coaching program after that. So we had built this six-month curriculum and also delivered group coaching calls over Zoom. It was all socially distanced. There are some asynchronous modules that they could work through. We can go into the details of that a little bit later. But what we surprisingly found is that we did reach a significant difference in burnout for our residents. So we dropped their burnout scores by almost four points, which turns out to be really significant. It took them from almost highly burnt out to almost low burnout range. And we also reached significance in improving self-compassion. And we had a actual curative reduction in imposter syndrome between our intervention group and our control group. So we were thrilled because we weren't supposed to find those results. And kind of based on... I remember I still... I'll never forget our analyst telling us this. She was like, it's really hard to touch residents. They are incredibly burnt out and no other interventions have really moved the needle on them before. Like there's a ton of wellness interventions out there. And so her estimation was that we needed somewhere around like 600 residents to drop the Maslach burnout inventory by one point just because residents are notoriously really bad. Yeah. So we were thrilled with just 50 of them. We dropped it by four points. And we can kind of go into why we think that is the case. But needless to say, that's where the article came from. I was just going to say, like, because in your article, we were talking about this before we started recording, but you talk about where the evidence is for burnout in physicians. So it's not even just that this is significant for residents, but to have an intervention that actually yeah. is shown to reduce burnout in physicians is significant. And especially the fact that it was underpowered to begin with, and you still showed a benefit. But can you speak to the other interventions and kind of where the research is for burnout recovery? Oh, man, they've studied everything. I mean, physician burnout obviously was a huge problem before the pandemic. And now is just like unsurmountable mountain, it seems like. And so the things that we sort of looked at when we were deciding on our program and coming up with our power analyses and all that are 
people have tried a lot of like mindfulness-based stress reduction and offering therapy and offering like webinars on sleep or trying to come at it from a systems level. And so even things like giving a raise or giving more time off, not only in physicians, but also in residents where it seems like time off is a really big deal. doesn't equate to better burnout or any other wellness indice score that you can think of. So I think that's where that kind of dismal power analysis came from. I will say I've been in the sphere of Dr. Shanafelt, Tate Shanafelt, who does just a ton of burnout and physician wellness work. And he and his colleagues have been studying this on a deeper level and have noticed that across the board, physicians actually are a really resilient group. And a lot of wellness interventions are trying to sort of bolster our resiliency or our grit, or our growth mindset, or all these internal qualities that we actually do at least as well, if not even better than, than other fields. Like we are not, we don't have a resiliency problem at all. In fact, we're quite resilient. The one place where physicians sort of fall off a cliff compared to other fields is self-compassion. We have no self-compassion Compared to other like lawyers, people in finance, people in like busy, overwhelming jobs, all of them have much, much more self-compassion for some reason. And my hypothesis is that like medical training sort of beats self-compassion out of you because it tells you you have to feel bad in order to do well, among other things. But coaching, as you know, and probably your listeners know, is at its core really focused on self-compassion and how that is not only feels great, but is actually probably necessary to thrive. And so I think that might be why we found a difference when other interventions hadn't. Yeah. And that totally applies to, for the people listening to weight loss too, right? Like that lack of self-compassion, so apparent. I think anybody who coaches physicians knows about this because it just doesn't exist. It's like a inherent quality of us for whatever reason. But when we apply that to weight loss or any other area of our life, it doesn't get us. My thought too is some of the, you know, lack of self-compassion and the really high expectations, we used it to get through medical school. We used it to get into medical school. And so it's like our one note tool that we use. But once you're done all of those hoops, it doesn't help you in the same way. And I would argue it actually harms you to just keep hammering on that like high standards and no positive feedback to yourself definitely doesn't help with weight loss doesn't really help you enjoy your work never even helped us what if it was just a myth all along (laughs) I often talk about that with my people is like we think it was the thing this like really hard work ethic is what got us through but what if we got through despite that right yeah I was gonna say too it's like we were selected for that trait. So by taking actions that were driven by that, we arrived up here. Like you don't go through medical school if you don't know how to seek approval. And if you don't know how to get the top grade or have the perfect attendance or the perfect, right? If you don't have some perfectionistic traits or at least outsourcing a little bit of approval to things outside of you. So then I wonder if where we can find self-compassion is almost by saying like, oh, of course this is hard for me now because the path here, I was rewarded for that type of engagement with my work. It makes total sense that it's really hard now that I'm trying to unlearn that. 
Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I was going to say, and Tyra, I don't know if you mentioned it, but just our study was for women residents, residents who identify as women. And we chose that population because women residents just experience higher levels of burnout, along with those underrepresented in medicine. But it was important for us to start there and study this intervention among the, a group that has a, a need that's really extreme. Yeah, and so what's happened since the study? So your the original article was released in May in JAMA, just if anybody wants to go find out. What's the article title again, if anybody wants to go looking for it? Effect of a novel physician coaching program, a randomized control trial. But you can type in one of our names in JAMA. It's the only thing either one of us has published in JAMA, so it will come up. <laughs> um, Perfect. And then what have you guys done since? Because I know you've been busy with other analyses and stuff. Yeah, we looked at data of the, our original intervention group at 12 and 18 months after the intervention had ended. We specifically looked at those that did not continue in coaching with us, asking the question, is that effect sustainable over time? And interestingly, we actually found a trend towards sustainability in all of our outcomes. The one that reached significance statistically was self-compassion continued to be improved. So that was is now even more exciting to me after learning that it's such a hole for physicians. But it looks like, you know, that one sustained six-month program led to hopefully long-term life lessons that they can keep coming back to. So that was exciting. And now we, our hope is to scale this up and be able to offer something like this to trainees across the country. And so we actually have scaled up our program massively and our running a randomized control trial that mirrors our pilot here across the country. We've got over a thousand women residents in almost 30 graduate medical education programs in many dozens of states across the country. We have also onboarded several volunteer physician coaches to coach for us. And so we're doing kind of a mirror of what we did, just testing generalizability, seeing if we can find effects in different population, more diverse population than we have here at University of Colorado. And then finally, to kind of dig in a little bit deeper, we actually just published a qualitative analysis that I'll let Adrian tell you about. Yeah, I think this will be something that's super interesting to your listeners, because if you're participating in a coaching program or you've been coached before, you know about the power of having your brain kind of reflected back at you by your coach and starting to tease apart you know, the circumstances we're experiencing from the thoughts we have about it. And so to understand a little bit about why our program worked as well as it did in reducing burnout and those other things as Tyra described, we invited participants from our initial pilot to do some qualitative interviews. And so 17 of the initial 50 members of our intervention group participated in a one hour long interview. And we looked through those interviews at themes that came up that participants thought was what made the program what it was. And as a coach, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear about this, but it was really interesting to us to see. The first and biggest theme was that the tool that we use for metacognition, so the thought model that we use, was applicable to our participants, both in their coaching face-to-face with us on Zoom and group format, but also with a plot like immediately applicable to the rest of their lives. And they found enormous power in having this tool that was like in their back pocket anytime that they needed it. They didn't even need a coach to walk them through it. The second thing we learned was that there was tremendous power in the community that we made, even though all of our coaching was done on Zoom and webinar formats. We're never even in the same 
space. They couldn't see each other or really engage other than to type into the chat and say, we're here with you, we see you. But having your own experience reflected through someone else's experience as they get coached is tremendously powerful. And so having that community where people shared vulnerably and saw themselves reflected in each other was powerful. And then the third thing that came up was we kind of have a choose your own adventure. There's group coaching calls that happen a couple of times a week, ask for coaching on a written form on our website, and then some self-study through modules and workbooks that folks can do on their own. And our participants really appreciated that they could pick and choose whichever of those methods of engaging with Better Together was right for them. So there were people who we never saw on a coaching call who never raised their hand to get coached or wrote in for coaching who got something out of the program by watching call recordings or going through the workbooks on their own, or even just reading what was going on for their co-participants. And that having that flexibility was huge. Yeah. And I, I love all of that. Like the whole concept of group, it's interesting because I think inherently we as physicians are a little hesitant to groups. Like think of the conferences when you're at a conference and they make you break into small groups. Like how many of us hate that? Like the writing on the paper in the <laughs> dread it. I'm like, coffee time. We hate it, right? Like it's it's not something we move towards. And probably, you know, med- again, we could argue medical training. It teaches us it's like it's you and and you're on your own versus like it's us as a group. And so especially in the weight loss field, like for anybody listening who's like contemplating doing my coaching program and you're like, but I don't know about the group thing so, so common because as physicians, we beat ourselves up so much about if we feel like we have weight issues or eating issues that we haven't been able to solve because we think we should have been able to solve it as a physician. And yet, similar to what you're saying, at time and time again, when I get feedback from the members, they say I was hesitant to do a group coaching program, but it was one of the most powerful parts. And the, the powerful thing is hearing somebody else say something and you're like, I'm not alone. That's a, I'm, I deal with that too. Um, and getting rid of that isolation that we tend to live all of our personal struggles in is so important. Yeah, absolutely. We'll send you the, the links if you want to put them in your show notes to both those papers. Yeah, no, that would be great. Any other kind of thoughts or things you guys have learned or are thinking about adding in through this experience? I mean, honestly, a huge thing that I have learned is (laughs) how to redefine myself using coaching because I will, I just want to stress this so heavily. Neither one of us, and myself especially, I did not identify as a researcher prior to doing this. Like, I just struggled my way through trying to get a publication early in my career in my dark days in Seattle and did not have coaching tools, did not have a thought model, did not understand why I was failing over and over again. And of course, it's because I was thinking thoughts that I'm a failure. And once I first got coaching for myself and then went through certification, which of course was also helpful for my own mindset, I don't want to say that it's is easy. None of this has been easy, but none of it has felt impossible like it did before. Like Adrian and I set this big, huge goal and then went after it. And it hasn't, I hate to say this, Adrian, but it's not, it's not like it's been rocky in the way that it was before. Like it's been really fun. Obviously, it's fun to work with your best friend, but also it's just been like really fun to figure it out with an open coaching mindset rather than closed mindset that I for sure have before. 
I'm laughing so hard because if you had told me like five years ago, hey, listen, you're going to be running like a national randomized control trial with a thousand participants and you're going to be a life coach, I would have been like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be, you know, a site director for medical students learning internal medicine. I'm going to be giving talks about hyponatremia and how to read EGs. And I'm still kind of doing those things, but I would not have believed that this was where I was going to end up. And so I guess the one thing I've learned is that, and I can't believe it took 40 years really for me to figure this out, but just because I imagined that I would be somewhere before, doesn't mean that that's the only place I could ever imagine myself being. And what a gift to figure out that there are other doors and other windows, like this side of the house, just like open air and you could go that way if you want. And there's no such thing as the door being closed. That I think for me, is the most revolutionary thing of the past couple of years. Yeah, I love that. I remember that kind of moment for myself where for my entire career, and it was probably 12 years of being out of practice at that point, where I was just assumed this is the path that it would look like. I was full service family medicine. I knew at some point I'd probably give up doing obstetrics because, you know, that's hard. But it would look like this mm-hmm. until I retired. And I remember when I kind of had this realization that maybe there's other stuff I could do. But what's interesting is it took a long time to get my mind around it because we're so used to thinking this is the way being a physician has to look that it's an identity issue when you start, especially back like when I started considering coaching and doing a podcast, it felt like I was exposing this like crazy part of me that other physicians would be like, oh, you can't be a real physician if you're doing that stuff. Like it's, it's so interesting, this like culture things that we haven't absorbed into ourselves. And yet it's been the best thing I did. Like I never would have said I, I'm an introvert. And again, very like kept all my weight stuff hidden, hooked, nobody noticed it while I was dealing with it. Never would have thought I would be sitting mm-hmm. on a podcast telling the world about it. And yet it's been like the best thing I've ever done. And it's one of the things I love the most in my, in my weeks. Yeah. Like I couldn't have gotten that, that openness of the mind to be like, maybe it could look different. And this is what I love about coaching. And what I really focus on with coaching people with weight is it doesn't have to look like we do this with weight, right? There's that path of like, okay, this is the diet I must follow in order to be successful. And what if it didn't actually have to look like that? What if same thing, like what you're saying, what if you could go like in any number of directions and still be successful? And yeah. find the one that actually works for you. Still call yourself so a doctor. Even if you're not doing what you thought it would look like. Like we've just been brainwashed through medical training, I think, to believe it looks a certain way and to believe that it has to be hard or something's wrong and that we have to be hard on ourselves. And so even just that shift of like, what if that belief is, was wrong all along is, will just change the direction of your life. At least it changed the direction of my life. It's huge. Like I think of, you know, how much, and you guys will get this too, how much women physicians hold a belief that they're not enough. Like it's related to the self-compassion. And if if we could just help women physicians, again, saying women, just because that's what I'm most familiar with. If we could just help them understand that they are more than enough and they are amazing exactly right now. Think of like the power that would be unleashed in the world. I have like I know it gives me chills every time I talk about it. Just like imagine what we could do if we didn't spend our energy arguing with ourselves. 
Like if instead of rejecting ourselves and arguing internally with ourselves about not being enough, like what good could be done? Like this is where I get, I get mad about it. I like blame it all on the patriarchy and everything. I've become a real storm about it. But like what a waste of time to hate ourselves. Even if the result of that is a thin body. Yeah. And especially if the result, right? Like there's got to be a better way. There is. There is. There, take the lead. Totally better way. Listen to her. You are enough. You're already more than enough. Do all you hear that? You are enough. (laughs) We're all three telling you. Yeah. And you know, it's great thinking about like the scaling up of your program when, like you said, we should have learned this in medicine. Like in your training, we should have learned how to manage these aspects. Like how do you manage your mind around the things that we know we're going to encounter? And the idea of resonance having access to this training so that when you leave practice, you have some of these skills and not only just have the skills, but know the power of it. So when you do run into trouble, because everybody probably is going to, you know the power of it and how valuable it is to reach out and invest in that for yourself to go get more coaching and go get more help. I think like it's, it'll transform those residents' lives, not just while they're residents, but it's like for the rest of their career. Like it's going to be amazing. It's so funny. I had my first resident say, I taught somebody the model the other day. Really? You know, the thought model that we use. And I was like, it's happening. You know, one of the, my favorite things I've given myself permission to believe over these couple of years that we've been growing this program is that I don't exist in medical education to teach hyponatremia or to teach evidence-based medicine around heart failure. I'll do that stuff a little bit, but like my colleagues who can throw down the literature on rounds and like cite what year the study was and all that stuff, like they exist for a reason and I exist for a reason. And Mine is so that we can talk about our emotions and name them and process them as it relates to the care of complex medical inpatients. And that, like, turns out that's what I can be of use for. And in doing that, that ripple, like the fact that somebody is teaching someone else the model, like, you can be so proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. I use it regularly in my practice, like seeing patients. I'll pull out the paper on the table when I'm in person or now the virtual whiteboard, if you're on a virtual call with the patient, but, and be like, okay, let me show you a tool that might help that you could use. And I think it's, it's so powerful and it has the ripple effects, right? Which was what your, your follow-up study showed is it's not like you finish and then it's done and you've got all the benefit. Those little changes in the way you're approaching your life ripples through your life and it keeps benefiting you for well, you showed another year, right? After the program was done. We're so Can proud you guys of it. let people... Oh, it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I think every residency program should have this or at least have the option, right? Where yeah. residents can choose to engage in it. Our vision would be like, this could be some subscription that GME programs could sign up for. And we could have like a center for coaching here and be able to deliver this kind of education that is just as necessary, if not more necessary as hyponatremia for all of their residents. Totally. It's easy to figure out hyponatremia when you have a good mindset and you're not like totally burnt out. Like you can, you can open up up to date and probably figure the hyponatremia piece out, right? Right. Yeah. Like this is such more of a life skill. Can you guys let people know where they can find you and where they can learn more? 
Yeah, they can go to www.bettertogetherphysiciancoaching.com. And there on the website is details about our program, how to get in touch with us and links to the studies that we talked about today. And a little bit of information about Tyra and I and our group of just incredible coaches and researchers. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. Our pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. I really enjoyed my time talking with Tyra and Adrian, and I really respect all of the work that they're doing in the area of physician burnout and particularly with residents. Like, can you imagine to all of you who are listening, who are attendings, imagine if you learn this stuff when you're still in your learning phase? Like, I think back to those early years of my career where I was constantly either burnt out or like, okay, I feel good again. Yeah, I can take on all this extra work. There was like no middle ground. And there wasn't anything that I was doing back then that was really for me. It was like I was working or I wasn't working. But when I wasn't working, there wasn't the space or the acknowledgement of what do I actually want in this in this time? And I think if I'd learned these skills when I was a resident, man, it would have been different starting a career as a physician. Anyways, I hope that you really enjoyed that podcast. Make sure you check out all the amazing work that they're doing. Check out the article in JAMA in May 2022. Um, and if you have any questions or thoughts, send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.